listening to a podcast from The National. Xi Jinping, the Chinese president, is visiting the UAE this week in what has been called a landmark historic visit, uh, particularly in terms of ties between this country and China. Uh, One of the key aspects of this relationship is, of course, energy. I'm Mustafa Al-Rawi. You're listening to the Business Extra podcast from the Nationals newsroom in Abu Dhabi. I'm very happy to be joined today by our energy correspondent, Jennifer Niana. How are you? Very well, thank you. We are talking about energy security and why it matters, and particularly its importance in the relationship between the UAE and China. So maybe for those who might not be familiar with the meaning behind the term and may have heard it several times, you can give me an explainer, can't you, Jennifer? What exactly is energy security? So the International Energy Agency defines energy security as the uninterrupted availability of energy at an affordable price. Um, This has become a concern for China, which consumes around 6 trillion kilowatt hours of electricity annually. Now, to put this in perspective, the U.S. consumes half of that and the EU collectively consume um, one third of that. And India, which is the second largest country in the world, consumes about a fifth of that. So China is a big consumer of electricity and it has realized that, you know, in its growth trajectory, which has been characterized by, you know, full throttle in- industrialization, factories, coal-powered uh, power stations. Um, it has realized that there needs to be a different c- kind of growth model. And for this, they have this plan to deploy renewables capacities over the next uh, 20 years. But before they can achieve high levels of renewables uh, integration into their grid, they need a transition fuel of sorts. So China has increasingly looked to secure gas and uh, also oil for its um, for, for the 300 million vehicles on the road. So to ensure all of this, uh, China has increasingly looked to the Middle East as well as Central Asia, to Russia, Kazakhstan and other countries uh, to secure affordable energy deals. It is the largest importer of oil in the world. It's uh, currently at 9 million and inching towards 12 uh, so energy is a big part of China's foreign policy. So we, China's been well known for its reliance on coal. Uh, it has issues with air pollution. It's yeah. changing that. So even though it's still making investments in terms of coal, not just within China, but outside China, as you rightly say, it's looking at its transition yeah. to cleaner fuels and it needs reliable sources uh, for, for, for oil, for gas, etc. So this is where the UAE comes into play. Now, if I take a step back, a bigger, you know, you, you mentioned the US and the US doesn't consume nearly as much power as China does. But maybe those who are familiar with uh, perceptions of US foreign policy, energy security has been a really key part of the US policy for many, many years. We don't need to go into the detail of it. But certainly, where the Middle East is concerned, everyone said it's been oil, oil, oil. Now, where it does matter to China is a recent trend has been that the US has become now one of the world's top exporters of oil. So uh, the Middle East has got a lot of competition in terms of sources, and the UAE within that has got competition. So it's important for it to market itself uh, more and more as a stable source of energy. And why is that? Because it means revenue, and it means stable revenue on the other side. And of course, we've seen oil prices fluctuate in recent years. They can't rely on over $100 a barrel. We're at about 80 at the moment. We've been down under 30. So when you've got end customers that are always taking your oil, maybe sometimes at a premium, then it helps you plan better. 
Also, it means you can diversify when you have a, an economy like China as a big customer because they want refined products. They want value-added products. They don't just want cr crude, right? They've got huge refineries that are requiring that. And uh, Jennifer, you reported recently on how the UAE and Saudi were working together in India, for example, as you said, another thirsty customer, um, on refining and downstream. And, and certainly part of the conversation, if we're doing from the UAE side with China, has been downstream as well, hasn't it? Yes, I think um, the UAE itself, in, as part of its national energy policy, is looking more at gas and also looking more downstream. Um, in May, we had the ADNOC downstream conference, Abu Dhabi National Oil Company, revealing its plan to develop the world's biggest refining and chemicals facility. And this really ties in with China's own approach. They're perhaps one of the biggest consumers of products they needed for plastics, um, chemicals and compounds in industry. China's moves to secure its energy future come at a time of increased U.S. production of both oil and gas. Um, now the U.S. and you, you've seen LNG producers on the U.S. Gulf Coast look, you know, look to secure good deals with um, customers in the Middle East, in the Far East, uh, and also China. But because of the situation with the White House and Beijing and the trade wars, it, it'll become increasingly difficult for China to become uh, a buyer of U.S. crude or U.S. gas, for that matter. So that, this puts the Middle East and the UAE in a good position to, to supply China. Uh, currently, the Middle East accounts for 42% of all crude supplied to China. And uh, the UAE doesn't contribute much. It's about 2% of China's overall imports. Uh, the biggest uh, supplier is Saudi Arabia, 12%, and we have Iran and Iraq. Uh, now, with sanctions over Iran and with production in Iraq uh, looking a bit unstable because of various reasons, the government and uh, difficult uh, contractual agreements, uh, China is looking at a more stable source of oil barrels, which is Abu Dhabi. They have their first uh, licensing round this year. They're also looking at a more uh, broadening their partnership approach to downstream. So this really fits in with what China is looking for. China looks to big infrastructure development. We've seen that in Oman. We've seen that in Pakistan, for instance. So the UAE's package is very attractive to China at the moment. And for the UAE, it's important because they are becoming more prominent as a global actor, as a global player. Again, coming back to that point of they are transforming themselves as well. They're looking for diversified sources of revenue. Um, and so the, what energy does is it helps... Uh, begin the discussion, a mutually beneficial discussion between China and the UAE, focused on the UAE able to be a stable provider of energy, the, the China looking for that stable source. And then from there, more and more conversations can happen, whether it's the value chain in energy, where we're talking about downstream or other commodities or trade in general, uh, the Chinese Belt and Road Initiative, where they're building, as you said, infrastructure projects across Asia. Um, sort of, if you think about China sweeping towards Europe, through Central Asia, uh, Pakistan, other countries, but also they have a maritime route, which is about ports and trade, uh, Abu Dhabi, Dubai, very much on that route. Um, and it becomes about how much broader can the relationship be. China doesn't just need energy. 
it's also one of the world's largest markets for so many commodities. Forget the soft commodities, um, the agricultural products that it needs, but in terms of uh, sort of gold, um, the rare earth um, metals, everything, uh, what China's looking for, they are one of the most significant markets. That all needs to be shipped from parts of the world. And that's where uh, the UAE as a, as a well-established trade hub can again benefit if it's seen again as a strategically important location on that new Belt and Road, uh, where it can be a, a place where affordably and consistently that these products can be shipped through. So there's a lot to be gained as well as, and you know, there's a, there's cultural, there's diplomatic, there's political, and, and our colleagues on the Beyond the Headlines podcast, you should listen this week, they're talking about diplomacy, they're interviewing the UAE's ambassador to China about that, but we also talk about wider economic links and how important this conversation is, but it all comes back to as we keep saying, energy. If there isn't that relationship in terms of energy, then probably those conversations are a lot harder to have. There's a lot of competition and it gives the UAE a kind of advantage compared to other markets. I think we're seeing a sort of convergence of energy interests. Um, over the last two years, we've seen the UAE and ADNOC in particular raise its profile internationally. You mentioned Ratnagiri earlier on. So um, to provide a bit of background. The Indian refinery. The Indian yeah. refinery. It's on the west coast of India. And I'm glad uh, you said it because I don't think I could have pronounced <laughs> Ratnagiri. Ratnagiri. Ratnagiri, okay. Uh, so it's on the west coast of India. It's uh, one of, once com once it's completed, it'll be the second largest refinery in the world. The, current, the, the biggest refinery in the world is in Jamnagar, operated by Reliance, which is an Indian petrochemicals, private petrochemicals company. And India is also moving towards producing its own uh, chemical products and refined products at home. Um, so the Ratnagiri complex is uh, being developed by Aramco and a consortium of Indian state-backed uh, oil producers and oil companies and refiners. Now, the UAE and ADNOC, uh, in, in an unprecedented move, have joined hands with this group and it's unprecedented because Adnox never invested outside of the UAE in terms of refining capacity, right? Sure. And they haven't partnered with Aramco before. So it's it's unique on several fronts. Um, and it also, it also shows how how Adnoc has is seeing itself globally. They've established Adnoc International, which is primarily focused on downstream abroad. It aligns itself with the UAE's vision of of where it sees uh, its energy policy over the next five years. There's 109 billion dollars uh, to be spent on both downstream ventures abroad as well as um, at home and gas, of course. So when it's it's it's, it's come at a time when China wants a new partner in the Middle East. Um, Aramco is, is, has been a reliable partner for China. There have been talks that China, China, a Chinese firm or a fund could take a stake in a, a, yeah, any future. Yeah, this, this is the whole discussion over the IPO of Aramco. Yes. They, 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 there was some suggestion there would be some kind of private, private placement. Private placement, right? yeah. But, that, but that's <laughs> unlikely me. to happen. So China still needs to invest. I think it's, it's come at a time when they've realized that um, it's a hundred dollars. It, it, the oil price has moved from a hundred dollars to um, seventy, and they've re and, and that's made them realize it's still a viable investment uh, to be to be investing in upstream crude and also to move towards downstream. Yeah. Uh, so when Adnoc presents a coherent investment strategy, it'll be hard to look away from. So 
because there's a couple of points you you raised that I want to pick up on. One is is the aspect of of China's approach and, and multilateralism and how it's different from perhaps what's going on elsewhere. I mean, we just had the big summit in Helsinki between Putin and and, and Trump, the two presidents there. Um, but it, and Russia and China themselves have had uh, big uh, deals, particularly on terms of pipelines. Um, but certainly, the approach that China takes is different from those two powers in that China is very focused on multilateralism. The uh, Asia Investment Infrastructure Bank or the Asia Inf- Infrastructure Investment Bank. Yeah. I always get it mixed up. But the AIIB uh, is sort of symbolic of that. And the UAE is very much multilateral as well in its thinking. You know, together, the more partners, the better. And that's sort of been Adnock's approach to come back to what it's been doing, more and more partners into its assets. Uh, Chinese entities now have stakes offshore and onshore in the UAE. Uh, there's going to be the first licensing round of blocks that the yeah. Chinese will be involved in, which is important, or they hope to be involved in. Um, there'll be other deals we expect announced while Xi Jinping is here. Um, but when the Chinese president wrote in the national exclusively um, about how the UAE and China together can work to help make sure that globalization is more inclusive, is more beneficial to all. It's a very stark message from what we might be hearing from Washington or Helsinki or Moscow or wherever it might be. And so it it goes to show that um, there, there are other sort of tones out there. And perhaps this week can be a really good example of, of how energy ties tied in with with diplomacy with economics with politics can kind of move us forward in a more i think a, a more inclusive way i think we've seen that with the way the uae with the deals that adnoc has signed so far this year uh the diplomatic engagements have been preceded by energy relationship we've seen dr sultan al jaber who is also a minister of state visit south korea china japan um all partners in various links in the UAE energy value chain. Um, and these energy partnerships have eventually led to closer diplomatic relationships and increased, uh, let's say, business engagements between both sides. So I think the UAE has looked at it differently and put the economic aspect and put trade above diplomacy and above um other aspects of its foreign policy. I mean, I, I would I'd say above, when you mean above, you mean it, it's that's how it leads. Yes. It leads in that way and then everything else follows. Yes. And certainly, the, as, as we've been saying, the energy is a good way to open the door sure. and then many things follow. And, and we expect there will be a flurry of, of, of big announcements made uh, with Mr. Xi's visit here when he meets with the leadership of the UAE across a number of sectors. I mean, we've seen so much going on already uh, this week in terms of culture and, and other aspects of the relationship. Uh, but really, when it comes down to, and, and we can kind of wrap up on this this point here with energy going forward, what do we expect from the energy space in terms of the UAE and China? I think we can expect more engagement on the downstream sector within the UAE. Um, now, Adnoc is developing Ruiz, which is a, a desert suburb um, in Abu Dhabi to become a leading hub for refining and chemicals by two, by 2025. I think China would look to invest in this space. I, I mean, if you look globally, China is, is perhaps the only country that has the sort of resources, infrastructure, contracting companies, and everything else to, to be a partner in this. And if it involves uh, a good offtake agreement with Adnoc, then why not? I think they would they would look to heavily invest in the derivatives and 
um, and refining hub that's developing in Ruiz and also directly in the refinery itself, if that's the sort of model that Adnoc wants to have more partners in developing its downstream sector, as we've seen upstream, where I think Chinese companies paid around a billion dollars earlier this year to pick up you know, concession stakes offshore Abu Dhabi, and, uh, you know, which will ensure that China has substantial supply of crude from the UAE for the next 40 years. And that's the very definition of energy security. Exactly, exactly. Jennifer Niana, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you. Uh, it, we expect there'll be uh, a lot more to talk about in the weeks and months to come, particularly uh, in terms of China, the UAE, and more deals and energy. You've been listening to the Business Extra podcast. I'm Mustafa Al-Rawi. Please join us again next time. Mm-hmm.